Well, hey there, it's time again for Stories from Bittersweet Farm. I'm Ken Pierpont, and today's story is chapter 30 from my book, For a Few Days, Stories from a Season of Life on a Family Farm. And it's entitled, Grandpa's Blanket-Lined Wamas. In 1980, Lewis and I lived in the Parsonage on Swamp Road across from Beaver Chapel, the little country church I pastored at the time. It was before any of the children had come into our lives, before the Thanksgiving Eve service we packed the car, and as soon as the last parishioner drove away to finish Thanksgiving preparations, we left. We would cross the state in our powder blue VW Beetle to spend Thanksgiving Day with the family. The car never did heat well, so we had to stay bundled in blankets as we drove through the night. A light snowfall began and added adventure to our trip. The cold and snow and the lap robe gave our Thanksgiving trip an over-the-river-and-through-the-woods feel of an old-fashioned sleigh ride. It was a happy time for a very young couple enjoying their second Thanksgiving together. For the next two years, and uh, excuse me, for the next two and a half hours, we listened to the AM radio some and we talked. It was almost midnight when we arrived at the bungalow in Newark, where my sister Melanie and her husband Jim and family lived. We hurried in the house through a light dusting of snow, and soon we were warm again. My sister made all the arrangements for a meaningful and relaxing time. There was a fire burning when we arrived in their big, warm, bungalow-style house in Newark. Scented candles were burning in our room, their fragrance blending with the aroma of pumpkin pies baking. The quilt was turned back, and we were soon sleeping, warmed above by a thick comforter and beneath by an electric pad. In the morning, the rest of the family drove in for the day, some from around town, others from around the state. Mom and Dad, Kevin and Nathan, came from Battle Creek. The day was filled with laughter and conversation, one sentence stepping on the tail of the next. The centerpiece of our weekend together was, of course, our family feast at noon on Thanksgiving Day. It was a wonderful meal with our family spilling out into two or three rooms of the house. Grandma was there, and it was the first time in my life Grandma was there without Grandpa. In October of 1980, Grandpa went out with his bow early in the deer season. It was cold and wet, and he knew enough to come in, but he had no intention of doing so. Grandpa did not want to die in a nursing home, he contracted pneumonia and died of congestive heart failure before the trees were bare of leaves that fall. And so it was Thanksgiving without Grandpa for the first time in my life. After our feast, the men decided on a little exercise as an aid to digestion. And we went to the Roosevelt School lawn for an all-out game of tag football. Incidentally, the locals pronounce it Roosevelt. It was a little cold. I needed a jacket. On the way out the door, Grandma said, Here, here, wear this. It was your grandpa's. And she handed me a Carter's Denim Farm Chore jacket with a corduroy collar. Incidentally, I have that still hanging in the basement. Someday I think I'll fit into it again. The working entrance of the farmhouse was a mudroom-like back porch of the kitchen in the back of the house. It was a wonderful room, just filled with character. There were shotguns and lanterns there. There was a shelf with shotgun shells. And there was a, a row of wooden pegs where Grandpa would hang chore coats for every season. Some of the coats were 
unlined for early spring and late fall, and others had thick flannel linings that looked like those old horse blankets, and Grandpa always called his chore coat a blanket-lined wamus. It was one of those unlined coats that Grandma handed me on the way out to play football, and memories fluttered in when I put it on. Grandpa was a big man for his time, and I was proud to be able to fill the coat. After the game, I reluctantly gave the coat back to Grandma, and to my delight, she said, why don't you just keep that? I think your grandpa would want you to have it. I remember grandpa coming across the yard on the old farm with the milk house with the collar of his chore coat turned up against the wind. And I still have the coat, but it no longer fits. A couple of years ago in the fall, I ran across it and gave it to Kyle, his great grandson, born a year and a week after grandpa went to be with the Lord. Yeah, I don't know how I got that back, but I do. It pleased me to see it on him. Grandpa would have appreciated how quick Kyle is to pick up on things. He would have liked his serious nature. Someday the coat will wear out or be removed from the back of his closet, sent to a secondhand store by someone who doesn't know or appreciate its history. It may be lost and forgotten someday, but there are stories about my grandfather's faith and the values that God was growing in him until the day of his death that would be passed down like a valuable family heirloom. It'd be wonderful to pass stately homes and valuable lands down through the generations, but it's not always possible to do that. It'd be a treasure if the farm was still in our family, but it's not. But Grandpa's God is my God, and his faith is my faith. And when this earth as we know it is no more, and a new heaven and new earth replace it, its heritage of faith can still be ours and our children's forever. I'd like to leave a gold watch or a beautiful mountain lodge to my grandchildren that will come, but I'd rather leave them an heirloom quality faith. Proverbs 13, 22 says, A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children.